while we were worshiping, I felt the Lord sort of whisper some things. Jesus turned water into wine as we were singing in some of our lives. I just got water. They, water was a sign then of a wedding, that it was no festivity. It was a sign of Israel's religion. Uh, they had a religion, but it was just like, and water in those days was never great. It wasn't like we have today. It was like, uh. And Jesus says, your water needs to be turned into wine. And I want to say for some of us, maybe this morning that are here that know Jesus, but it's like your sparkle is gone, your joy is gone, your wine is gone. Wine is the new wine of Jesus. It was like if you met this person that was full of new wine, it was like, whoa, this is amazing. What do you have? And that person would say, I've met with Jesus. He's turned my water into wine. I want to say to you, ask the Lord to turn your water into wine. Ask somebody to pray for you. And say, I, um, I'm just like, I love Jesus. I've been at it for a while. I need some wine. And the other thing I want you to say is for some of you that you've been in a valley and you've struggled and you're struggling with your faith or you're struggling with yourself or you're struggling with a sin or you're struggling with a depression or a darkness. And I want to say to you, God will bring you through that. Amen. I want to say to you that he is a faithful God and he will get you through your, your thing. And uh, we've learned that. It's, you know, I thought, you know, a kingdom now, um, gospel means it's got to happen now. You've got to be healed now. You've got to be well now. You've got to get over your problems now. But actually, if you read the scriptures and you walk with believers, God may take you, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff comfort me. And I want to say to you, hang in. Amen. Don't give up. As Mikey said this morning, come with all your soul. And the devil will say, you mustn't lift your hands and worship me. And the Spirit of God says, worship me with all of your soul and all of your heart. And you say, well, I feel like a hypocrite. Don't, don't let the devil call you a hypocrite. Because actually, you're worshiping God in the face of difficulty. And watch God take you out. Amen? So I've got to get to my text. We're in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And um, there's a lot here, so let's just see what we can do. Um, thank you for your giving to our um, new generator, which I think will arrive in the next week. We've laid the slab and it'll arrive. Thank you for that. We also need to put up a solar system. And so we've asked for about 450. We've at about 300. Thank you for your very generous giving. I would encourage you, everybody in the church, to give all of us to make a contribution. I went to a golf day on Thursday for a a school that was birthed for, under, uh, for special needs kids. And it was amazing to see the generosity of some people and the utter withdrawal of others. Not, not even a, give something, bro. Give, give 50 bucks, give 10 bucks, give 1,000 bucks. One old lady gave 115,000 to a school. She just gave it. Older lady, Afrikaans lady. I just thought, how's this? Uh, a guy in full-time ministry, he gave, he gave funds. Let's, let's be generous, amen? Let's continue to give, and thank you for your giving. Amen. So let's go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Um, and uh, we're doing a series through this packed uh, book of Peter, this fisherman apostle who got a lot of things wrong, but actually God was all over this man. He got a revelation of Jesus. He walked on water. He, uh, he made mistakes. He denied Christ. He, um, he loved his Lord, and he matures to become this incredible man who writes this letter, or perhaps somebody else writes it on his heart, but he's, he gives it, and it's packed with um, power. Hey, Francois? Amen. 
I think it was Francis that said, should we do a series through the book of Peter? 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, so bear with me as we go through suffering. One guy said, if you talk on suffering, you'll empty the church. I'm thinking, rubbish, rubbish, that's rubbish, that's, that's rubbish. Actually, Christians are called to suffer, amen? And uh, if you learn how to suffer well, you will finish. If you don't learn how to suffer well, you won't finish. So since therefore Christ, or therefore since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. So this is a book packed with the theme of suffering. It, uh, it's, it's mentioned about 10 times in 1 Peter. And this is a bodily suffering. Sometimes we think, oh, he suffered in his mind. He suffered sort of an ethereal or an abstract. No, no, suffering in his body. Since Christ suffered in his physical body, people, when we suffer in our bodies, we become very, very reticent. You know, we may suffer with other things, but don't touch my body. And the Christian faith is a faith where the body is suffers, amen? And we must be robust enough. Give me an amen. We must be robust enough if we suffer. Jesus kept on speaking about, he prepared. They will persecute you. They will put you to death. You will suffer for my name. You will be persecuted. They will revile against you. And so here Peter is mentioning it. So uh, he, Jesus even said, I want to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering. So Jesus knew in Luke 22 he would be suffering. Arm yourselves, he says. Arm yourselves with the same attitude, which is a military word. But prepare yourselves with weapons of armor. You can't go into war, the, met the metaphor says, unless you are armed. If you go into battle, if you walk as a Christian, if you go into the mission field, you have to be battled because you're going to war. So it's a, if you're unarmed, you will lose the battle. Christians, that's why what we preach and what we believe is so important. I remember as a, as a young guy looking into the gospel, the, this guy said, listen, you, you have to leave your old lifestyle. Your friends will persecute you. You will be, your family may persecute you. Your cousins may persecute you. Your mates may reject you. Are you ready? Don't say yes to the gospel unless you understand this. So if you are unarmed, you will lose. You can't go into a suffering unarmed. That's why a prosperity gospel, a kingdom now gospel, all things provided now. What do you want? And I've shared it many times. I was a young guy and the guy says, do you want a, a double story house or a Mercedes? I said, I want neither. I'm 19, bro. What are you asking me? Are you nuts? I need to know if Jesus is the Savior. Because if I'm going to give my life to him, it's going to be, uh, he wants all of it or none of it. They don't offer me trinklets, but offer me the Christ because he is far bigger than trinklets. And I thank God for this church and you're not after trinklets. Well, that's what I believe. <laughs> Maybe some of us are. 1 Peter 2, 21, to this you were called. So this is the attitude. So, so you can go back and say, to this you were called because Christ suffered with you. Suffering for doing good, not suffering for doing dwarf things, okay? A lot of Christians make bad mistakes and they suffer and they, and they say, the Lord's putting me through. No, it's silly decisions that we have made. You may have made a silly financial decision. You may have made a silly marital decision. You've, you may have just decided to run off somewhere and all trouble is broken out. They're not talking about that suffering. So that you were called 
for doing good because Christ, number one, suffered for you. Oh, so Jesus suffered for you. Therefore, I may have to suffer for others. I got it. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. I'm going back to 1 Peter 2.21. He committed no sin. In other words, he didn't suffer because he sinned. And sometimes, it's amazing how we don't often suffer because of our sin, but sometimes sinful things can cause suffering. He committed no sin, so he didn't suffer because of sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. He wasn't a deceitful man, which caused him to, be, to suffer. Amen? You got that? When they hurled insults at him, so it wasn't a nice little Jesus, he's just like a bad guy. They hurled insults. They screamed at him. They accused him. He did not retaliate. So this is the attitude that we should have. He did not retaliate. You know, I've been amongst sort of alpha males that said, so what did you say to the guy that tuned you? Did you, did you have a good comeback? That was an amazing comeback. No, he did not retaliate. I mean, I was taught, my dad taught me, if anyone, if anyone says anything to you, I'll take you there and you buff them. I was taught that. In fact, it's, and I, and I not, don't want to dishonor my dad, but I was, was taught to defend myself. If my older brother, he, I mean, I would fight with him with a cricket bat if I had to. Remember, my young brother says, Mom and Dad, they're killing each other with cricket bats. He didn't retaliate. Change. Shh, don't retaliate. That's the attitude, okay? Um, When he suffered, he made no threats. God will get you, bro. You'll see. You'll, you, nothing, nothing. No threats. Instead, this is a beautiful scripture. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Lamb. No retaliation, no threats. Lord, you are the judge. I trust myself to you. Isn't that beautiful? Imagine Christians in the world. Imagine people, imagine nations that don't retaliate. I trust myself to him who is the judges justly. He himself bore our sins on the body, in his body on the tree. There's the word body again. So I don't have to retaliate. I can lay down my life because he took my sin upon himself. These are deep truths. And I wish Thomas was here to explain them all. <laughs> so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. I mean, there's so much here. By his wounds, you have been healed. His wounds, he took wounds, judgment, beatings for my sin. Therefore, my sin was put upon him. When people sin against me, I can hide myself in Christ and say, Lord, I'll leave that to you. And so that was the suffering. Now I'm talking, these guys suffered. They were burnt. They were pierced. Jesus was, they, 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 they physically, bodily, absolutely hammered them, stoned. I don't know if you've ever seen a stoning. When we suffer, we feel a sense of injustice. We resist it. We protest against our persecutors. We even protest against God. So-and-so said this about me. Bro, that's nothing. 
go and find out what Jesus was like. You know, somebody was at a memorial on, on a memorial on Monday, and the guy said, I now know what the father went through when he lost his son, now that I've lost my daughter. And now I have got a little glimpse, tiny glimpse into what the father went through. It's amazing if you get your perspectives right. Prepare your minds for action. That was the attitude. He said, you were saying it earlier in 1 Peter 1.13. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given when Christ is revealed. But I want grace now. When he's revealed this grace of persecution that you've suffered, loss that you've suffered, it'll be revealed. The attitude that he's talking about is also found in 1 Peter 5. Be sober-minded, be watchful. The devil prowls around. So he's saying, prepare your minds. Have an attitude, okay? Because he who has suffered, next part of the thing, he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Oh my. Oh my. (laughs) Jesus' willingness to obey his father and suffer crucifixion dealt, I'm quoting some of my words, dealt a death blow to the entire realm and kingdom of sin and death forever. I'll suffer, I'll say nothing, I'll hide myself, you take care. By doing that, he deals a death blow to the entire realm and kingdom and dominion of darkness, death, and sin. That's a powerful sin. We don't like suffering. Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. But this suffering, it's interesting. I mean, why don't you rather go on holiday in the, you know, down the Cape? Why don't go to Kyrgyzstan? I mean, there's risk there, is there, Francois? There's risk. You can't proselyte, you can't preach. You're not allowed to preach. That's an interesting uh, mission to go on. So God used the suffering of Jesus to conquer death, defeat sin, and reconcile man to God. Let this cup pass from me. We want that. Hey, Brad, I want to see, we don't want to see each other suffer. But actually, you may be taken for suffer for, through suffering for the benefit of others. This, the death of Stephen, as we heard last Thursday night, I think it was with Andrew Thompson, was the seeds... But I'm thinking, Lord, this, this Stephen, who was a brilliant theologian, as we heard, was deacon of deacons, was like apostle deacon. Like a young man taking his life. I've often thought, why, Lord, didn't you save him? We need Paul, the apostle. We need Stephen to share the gospel. We need this man that's died. Well, that one, God says, no, that blood is for the seeds of the church to go into the nation. When you suffer you're done with sin position yourself in Christ suffering subdues the flesh suffering weakens the stubborn backbone of sin you see the more pleasure the more we have the more we want the more we want the more we indulge the more we expect and the more we um, feed the flesh Sometimes suffering orientates, gives you a completely different orientation. The gratifying and meeting of the needs of your body all the time and all clothes and, and this, this, and this, and, and even church 
I want church to be good. I just thought, gee, what a wonderful, I want church to be good. I want coffee to be good. The trouble with that is the better it gets, the better it has to stay. And if ever the worship should crash or the preach should crash or Mr. Smith should get grumpy, there's no Mr. Smith here, I don't think. I don't like it anymore because I'm just, it's about meeting needs. When I was a kid, there was the comics. There was Richie Rich. Remember Richie Rich? Us old bullies. Richie Rich. I had this, this, there was a picture of Richie Rich lying in his bed with a, with a straw in his mouth. And the straw went out his window and it went to the lemonade factory. And I used to think, how amazing is that? He could lie in his bed and just drink lemonade. Richie Rich. That's the American culture. I want it and I want it now. And I thought, that's the dream. I mean, I must have been six full of sin. I want more. We empower the flesh the more we give it. The flesh rises up. It becomes monstrous. You know, good food is a good thing, but you keep eating good food and you just get into problems. You get cholesterol in your arteries. Everything goes fuzzy and blurry. The more we feed it, but suffering, when we suffer, we reorientate ourselves. We, we suffer because we may die, and we say, I better get myself right with God. You begin to care for others because you've suffered. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, verse 2, but rather for the will of God. Sin always puts up a fight. Though, it's, though sin is defeated, though death is defeated, though Jesus has conquered, until Christ returns, sin is around. It can overwhelm you if you feed it, if you gratify all your natural, carnal, fleshly desires, it will overpower you. I mean, I've met people, Christian, that say, you know, this church doesn't cut it for me. Why? Well, you know, like, you know, you're such a proud guy. I mean, what if God asked you to start a church and five people would meet every Sunday and they would find you as boring as hell? You know, you know, you know it's, it's interesting. We, we, we want more all the time. But God says, I want you to suffer a little bit. Don't run away because we all are going to be called to suffer. Can I have an amen from somebody? Suffering is a powerful weapon to break the power of sin and distraction. There's a priority change in the heart. Now you begin to care. You can't really care for those that are suffering unless you have suffered. Hey, get a laugh, bro. Like, what's the problem? Do you have a faith problem? Until you've suffered, until your body has been hurt, until there's some form of persecution, until somebody has said things about you and you think, gee, that's not nice, then you can be careful what you say about others. Are we, are we, are we there, guys? So suffering meant death. They were going to soon meet Jesus. There was a worldview change. There are good human passions, brothers and sisters. I thought of some music. It's a great passion if you have a passion for music. Bird watching. Reading, running, family. They can become obsessive, idolatrous, destructive. 
because they become ultimate. And you say, no, Lord, no, 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 no. Today, is, this is what I'm doing. The Lord says, no, Nick, I want you to do this today. You're my servant. No, but Lord, you know, this is, and so suddenly good things become ultimate things. The will of God should trump. It should override our human desires, even our good desires. Verse three, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans chose to do. He's writing to the church where actually you guys are going, to the Asia Minor area, modern day Turkey. And he said, now you guys, you've spent enough time doing that stuff that pagans do, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies. These are heavy pagan nations, okay? Carousing and detestable idolatry. You've wasted enough time doing that. Did you meet Jesus? Yes, we met Jesus. Did you get born again? Yes, I got born again. This, this is a new time. You've spent enough time there. Don't live badly. End the life of sin. How? I've had enough of that lifestyle, Lord. And I'm happy to suffer for your name. The case is building. The moment of sin can be very pleasurable. It's always momentary. But in the morning, there's a good old Afrikaans word, a babalas. When you've sinned, it's, 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 sin is very pleasurable, by the way. I'm just going to drink a little bit now. Because, you know, I feel all like empowered and I drink and I'm not myself. And I get out of all my little inhibitions. And I can start tuning, you know. But in the morning, you wake up. I'm going to flirt with that person that's not my spouse. But then you wake up and you think, shh, that was disgusting. That was horrible. He's saying, don't go there. You pay a high price for it. And so there's a sickening taste. He says, he says get out of it. Fast. Deny the flesh, the pleasure. Put away all the toys that are distracting us. Amen. For you've spent enough time in the past doing pagans. I said that. Um, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them. So th these guys that were living in pagan nations, Peter is saying, they think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation. Gee, that's an old kind of, it's, it's into the abyss of sin, into a flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse and malign and slander you, different translations. I remember I was in Cape Town, and I, I had to go to Durban, but I had nowhere to stay. So I phoned this guy, and I said, listen, can I come and stay in your plate? It wasn't plate. But when I made the call, I thought, oof, I'm a bit worried. I knew them. And I thought, it's a bit of a risky thing. And I just felt God had protected me. But I went to stay there for a couple of nights. And there was an occasion when there was this party going on. There was young people, and they were doing drugs, and there was a circle. What am I doing there? I don't know. Shouldn't have been there. But every time the pipe came past, <laughs> I passed it on. And it came and it went about three times. And this guy to my right, three people, he suddenly had a demonic manifestation. I tell you, a demonic manifestation. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. And he went ballistic. He, in a sense, I thought, this is amazing. This is unbelievable. This is spectacular. But the guy didn't even know me. And he is swearing and cussing and maligning. And the Lord says, pay attention, son. Pay attention. They will malign you. I wasn't saying, I wasn't judging. I was just like putting my hand in my pocket saying, <laughs> I shouldn't be here. It's amazing that subtly or overtly, when you don't participate, 
people may revile and malign and slander you. It's okay. But they will have to give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. It's interesting that um, Jesus is the one who's got the keys of death. So we were at a memorial on Monday of a 22-year-old girl whose heart stopped. Healthy, fit, strong, vibrant. Her heart stopped. She died. And now you've got to think to yourself. Now the world says, you know what the world says? <laughs> Christians are all the same. Check. Dead. Dead like we will be dead. But they don't know that Jesus has the keys of death. And if you die in Jesus, you die in his kingdom. Amen. Big one, big theology there. So they will have to give an account. God will judge your enemies, your persecutors, his way, his time with his justice. If we are vindictive, that's why he says, Psst, quiet. If you are merciless, if you're wanting God to judge them, our hearts are in the wrong place. He did not retaliate, etc., etc. We are terrible judges. I'm a terrible judge when somebody persecutes me. When somebody says things against me, I'm a bad judge. I'm subjective judge. I'm saying, Lord, you're the judge. Maybe they're right. Somebody came to me recently and said some things to me in the foyer the other day. It wasn't fun, but I thought it could be right. Lord, if he, I said, listen, okay, I hear you. I don't want to defend myself. You judge justly. Jesus utterly sinless, and they're utterly uh, evil. And Jesus saying, I say nothing. I let my Father do the judging. We will give an account to him the living and the dead in fact he goes further and he says why don't you forgive them <laughs> why don't you forgive them why don't you pray blessing over them and so this is a wonderful text amen Jesus is ready to give an account they will give an account for everything don't take revenge brothers and sisters leave room for God's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge and so it's okay, it's okay as Christians to go through suffering, to go through maligning, to go through slander, and we say, Lord, mm, sore, but I commit myself to you. Lord, I wanna arm myself with an attitude to be able to suffer. Lord, um, I, I, I give it over to you to deal with these things. For this reason, verse six, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. So this is a tricky text. I'm not going to spend time there, but it's probably been written in such a way that we get confused. Are you saying the gospel, Jesus went down to hell and preached to those that are dead? You can go and read up for yourself. I'm not going to go there. But it says, for this reason, the gospel is preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Can somebody explain that, please? <laughs> I'll read you what Peterson says. The gospel, the message was preached to those believers who are now dead. That's how you read it, okay? So once you're dead, you're not gonna have the gospel preached to you. That's not what this text is saying. Some have tried to interpret that. It's not what the text is saying. It was preached to those believers who are now dead, and yet even though they died, that's the point. The people are saying, yeah, but you died just like us, man. Only the good die young. So you're this big Christian, and I look, now you got killed in a car accident. <laughs> Who, where's your God? Who's your God? We just flesh and blood, man. Oh. Even though they died, they will still get in on the life that God has given in Jesus. 
So I'll read to you some commentators. This does not mean that the gospel is preached to any human after death. Don't think that. There are, I came from a Catholic religion where you pray to the saints that they would, that they would pray for those that have, have died. I would say the Bible is clear that we, want, we live once and then the judgment comes. You want to receive the gospel now. The pagans are saying, what good is it? Because those men have died like us, like any other. They, and, and the Bible says they've been judged according to men in regard to the body. So the men say, you see, you've been judged because you're dead. That's what they're saying. You're like us and you've also died. You Christians are dead like everyone else. But actually what Peter is saying is we live according to God in regard to the spirit means that Jesus will raise us up. And I'll read another quote. There are people now dead physically, but alive with God in the spirit. We who were judged by the world, okay, so we know that um, the last effect of sin is physical death. Can I just repeat that? The last effect of sin for the Christian is physical death. Once you die physically, you will go into the ground, but your spirit will be with Jesus. And then when Jesus returns, your body will be raised. There are people now dead physically, but alive with God in the spirit, who were judged by the world. In other words, the world said, you see, you're dead. But they heard the gospel before they died, and they believed the gospel. They suffered, and they died because of their faith. But they are living with God. It is better to suffer for Christ and go to be with God than to follow the world and to be lost forever. The end of verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. It is near. People say, well, they've been saying that for 2,000 years. You've got to read that again. And again, we'll quote you some theologians. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. The end is near can refer to the end of that era. can be to the end of your struggle. can be the, to the, the end of your life is near. It can also mean the end of the world. You know, there's a city washed into the... See, where was it? Where was it? There. It was washed into the sea. The entire city, entire families were just obliterated. There's nothing left. The end has come for them. And so it could be the end, could be the visitation of God is about to come. End of the world, end of your world, end of my world, end of the world of that young lady. I stood next to her at the Glenridge 40th. I was standing next to her. That had a green dress on. I said to someone, I just want to go and say hello to her. And I got distracted and then she was gone. And I, we heard the news. I thought I was standing next to her. Her end has come. Hmm. Preacher, brothers, we need to know the end can come. Don't wake up tomorrow morning and think, Lord, confess my sin to you I love you Lord save me Lord heal me Lord I've shared this before a guy was, had a heart attack in our house took off his watch, took out his wallet put out his cigar and he said I'm dying he said this, I've just had an almighty fight with my wife and please tell her that I forgive her he died and could be near and we like children, and Lord, I, I love you, Lord. Help me, God. Save me, God. Lord, I was horrible to that person. I ignored that person walking down the spa aisle. Don't like them. Oh, Lord, my heart's bad. 
I've got an attitude in my heart, amen? Help me, Lord. What's wrong with me, Lord? I'm more broken than I am, than I realize I am, but I'm more loved than I, than I could ever imagine. I'm more broken, but I'm more loved. Oh, that pastor. What about you, sir? What about you, ma'am? We're all the same. We're all flesh and blood. We all got struggles. We all more loved than we realize. We're all more broken. I don't even realize how broken I am. I'm 64. Don't tell anybody. I think, Lord, what is this in me? What is this, Lord? The end of all things is near. Therefore, you need to be clear-minded, self-controlled, so that you can pray. If you're not clear-minded and self-controlled, you will not be able to pray. I'll say that again. If you're not clear-minded and self-controlled, you'll be distracted and you will lose the ability to pray. You've got to be clear-minded and you've got to have self-controlled. If you're not self-controlled, you'll be controlled by other things. And other things, the things of the world, will make sure that you don't pray. And it will control you. You've got to have this, all the advertising, the marketing, even the, the churches. They, they take away your self-control. Jesus says, do not give up your self-control. And do not stop being sober-minded. Because you won't be able to pray. Self-control is, the, I think it's the last fruit of the Spirit. It's a big one. But we kind of self-control. Give me an amen. <laughs> and are you saying, are you, are you like Nick, you're getting heavy with me? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we all need to be self-controlled. We all need to cry to God. We all need to say, Lord, I'm distracted. Where's my phone? When I left the phone in the car last night, I thought I started getting withdrawal symptoms. Leave the phone. Leave the distraction. Leave it. Leave it. Sit down for half an hour. Just sit. Do nothing. Detox. Start shivering and shaking and quivering and saying, Lord, you see, I'm an addict. I'm a junkie. The Lord says, ah, finally you've admitted it. Okay, I'm going to help you, son. Say, Lord, I'm a junkie. I need praise. Whatever, whatever, whatever. I need media. I need, hey, Lord, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Sober-minded. It's been ages there. What kinds of prayer? Not religious prayer. Intimate prayer. I love intimate prayer. Oh, my father, my papa, my dad. It's me. It's your son. It's your boy. Don't know why you love me so much. I don't know why Katya and I argue so much. Not that we do. Whatever your issue is. But I love you, my dad. Thank you that you're in the car with me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm in your presence, Lord. I love you. I just want to worship you. I want to worship you from I'm driving to Durban to Kloof. I want to worship you. How long does that take, Tools? 20 minutes. I'm just going to tell you how special you are, my dad. I love you, my dad. Watch the spirit begin to quicken you. Suddenly, there's a river flowing. Suddenly, there's a song singing. Suddenly, there's tears flowing. Where did the 20 minutes go? Caught up. I admire you. Help me, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Can I just tell you about my struggles? I want to confess my struggles to you. I know you know them, but I want to declare them to you. Devil, listen to this. I'm going to tell my father my struggles. You listening, and he's listening. 
Father, help me. Adore, intimate, corporate. You see, there's no condemnation. You know, you know, you know, we're the bride of Christ. You know that you know the bride is preparing herself. The bride is saying, Oh, I'm not fitting into my dress or need to do my hair. That's us. <laughs> need to do my eyelashes. <laughs> we are preparing ourselves. We we're never perfect. But we're preparing ourselves. I've got to maybe go on a diet. I've got to, I don't know, whatever I need to do. I need to go for a skin treatment. Sorry, I'm getting into trouble here. But the bridegroom doesn't say, you're awful. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't condemn you. He, he, he may, the, the Bible says he will judge us. In other words, he doesn't judge us to condemn us. Because the, but he judges us to say, actually, yeah, you, you're not fitting in your dress or whatever the issue may be. I, I want to help you, son. I want to sanctify you. I want to wash you. I want to prepare you. for. But I love you, man. I can't wait to marry you and to be betrothed to you. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. The end of all things is near. I want you to love each other. <laughs> it's critical that you love each other deeply from the heart. Other bro, talk to that guy. <laughs> deeply. Relationships. He's stressing relationships. Red point, we're going to have a cultural evening. I would that you would all come. Come with, what do we have, Kati? Hey? We're gonna we're gonna bring a ruga because we're Mauritian or whatever. Bring bring something. Come and be part of a cultural evening. Come come and love each other. Come and honor each other's food, each other's cultures, each other's dress. You know, there's prejudice and racism in the in the in the belly of this nation. You know that. All of us, man. We we carry. I was a Mauritian with a fr- strange accent in Joburg, in a school. I hated the fact that I was Mauritian. I hated it. I despised it. And one day in school, the principal, Mr. Rivers, called me out and he said, that boy, Nick Hardy, come here because he can speak French. I nearly died because I was trying to become friends with all the people. And they said, you funny person, funny history and funny. You're not part of us. I remember feeling such anxiety that day. We need to love each other, guys. It's interesting to see what you're going to experience in Turkey and what they're like. And love those people. If you don't have, if you don't have love, you got zippo. Love one another deeply from the heart. We had a 40th last night. Person left here how many years ago, Ange? Fifteen years ago, 40th birthday. Can you come? Haven't seen them for a long time. Guess what? Red Point was honoured. I want to honour Red Point. I want to honour Nick and Cutty. They married us. I want to honour our roots. I want to honour Jono. Uh, that I used to come to worship every morning. And I just thought, this girl's very clever. She's smart, Auntie, this. She honored. She honored Kati. She, she said, thank you for caring. Thank you, Red Point, for our history. Now, this is our new people. Those are our old friends. And some peppered old Red Point people were there. Interesting. Some people that are long gone. Dom Marot was there, worship leader. I want to honor you. I want to thank you. I want to also honor my parents. I want to honor my new church. I want to honor my new friends. Love each other deeply from the heart. Am I talking to myself here? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to, without grumbling. How many people are coming tools? 
78 from different places and Redpoint offer hospitality. I'm embarrassed because Tools funds his neck. Can I ask you? It's, he shouldn't have to ask us if we can make be hospitable. Hey, we should be saying, "Oh, listen, can I can I host Christians? You know, we go to churches where no one will host us. Hey, Rob's, how's that? I mean, you you can't get hosted. They won't host you. Offer hospitality without grumbling. <laughs> grumbling means you're grinding your teeth. <laughs> you want more eggs? Did you eat all the bacon? <laughs> we should offer, 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 offer. Oh Lord, help the church. Oh Lord, help the church. Kind, love, hospitality, prayer, suffering, silent. Beautiful, isn't it? Armed, gentle. You might entertain an angel. Meals, stay over, come around. Running out of time. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has. This is probably my all-time favorite. This is a favorite. Each one of you should use whatever gifts he has received. I've received a gift. He gave gifts to men. Each of you should receive whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administrating, administering God's grace in its various forms. What's the idea here? The idea is God gives gifts to people. He went down to the depths, Ephesians chapter 4, sends it on high, highest place. He conquered death. He suffered. He died. He, 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 he's raised from the dead. He ascends on high and he gives gifts to men. We are a gifted people. What's your gift? Just, just tell somebody next to you what your gift is quickly. Oh, I don't have one. No, you do. What's your gift? Are you listening? What's your gift? Have you got a gift? Come on. To each, gifts have been given. To each, Grace has been given. You can go and read in 1 Corinthians 12. You can read in Romans chapter 12. You can go and read in Ephesians chapter 4. A healthy church is laden with gifts. Remember we said that before. You are, say, just say this, I'm a gifted person. Do you know that you are a gifted person? Well, you know, my son's gifted. Oh, like what's, you know? He's a springbok hockey player. No, we are a gifted people. He has given us gifts. You should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So the gift is given to you, not to puff up our ministries, but to serve others. That's why the church is characterized by humility. You cannot receive anything except it was given you. How can you be so wise? Oh, God gave me a gift of wisdom. He gave me a gift of wisdom. That wisdom doesn't reside with me necessarily, but the gift is passed on passed on you have a gift of healing you may not even be well yourself but you receive the gift and you pass it on let's just read it carefully faithfully administering god's grace in its various forms some hold back how's god's grace administered you know how it's administered 
you have a need. Somebody says, I can see you've got a need. I can see you're sick. I can see that you can't get into the kitchen. I'm going to administer God's grace of mercy, and I'm going to cook you a meal, and I'm going to bring it. Who does that meal come from? That's from the Lord. What do you mean? <laughs> well, this lady slaved and cooked the meal, or the guy slaved. Now, the gift was given. I just, I just want, I have a gift of mercy and kindness and grace, and then you give God's grace. How does God manifest his grace? You don't have petrol money. Some guy walks up to you and says, listen, I just feel the need. I'm going to give you a thousand bucks for petrol. That's the grace of God flowing through. And how we administer God's grace is through people. Can I repeat that? The lady that, that her name is Jing, she died. That was the daughter that had this thing last night. I said to the person, this, this lady, mom, Jinx, she gave us flowers in our house for I don't know how many years. There wasn't a week, I think, where we didn't have flowers in our house. She decided to bless the Hardy household with flowers. I'm thinking, look at those flowers. You don't deserve those flowers. But Jinx was a colorful angel. Sean said, I've got to introduce you to a lady. Her name is Jinx. I went to meet Jinx there in the foyer. I said, hello, Jinx. I've, I've been told I've got to meet you. She said, oh, hello, Nick. So nice to meet you. I don't know about that lady. Why is she so special? Who oh, was she special? She would bring flowers. What, what's your gift to give to somebody? That's the grace of God. That's how God uses his grace. I want to invite you to a worship weekend. That's the grace of God. Tula has invited us from all over the country. There's a gift on Tula's life that he's been received to gather worship leaders, to include them, to train them, and they're receiving the gift of God. I don't know how many phone calls he's made, but that's how the gift of God works. That's how the gifts of God work in us, and it displays the grace of God. Amen? Long preach, big preach, eh? And I'll close with this. If anyone serves, if anyone speaks, he should speak the works of God, the words of God. And if he serves, he should do it with the, with the strength God provides. I'm serving with the strength. And then it ends like this. To him, to him, the grace giver, the judge, the one who suffered truly, to him, not, not to us, be the glory. And I'm just, I'm just a donkey, bro. I just I got the gift on my shoulders and I bring him into Jerusalem. His name is Jesus. To him, not to us, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Do you remember you came to me with a word? Remember you came to me that one time? A pastor, no, a lady came to me. She, she was telling me last night, you said, I came to visit your church and you said this to me. She said, I'll never forget it. I said, sorry, I can't remember. I have no idea what I said. I thought, I'm sure she got the wrong guy. But it doesn't make no sense to me. So I said, oh, that's amazing. But I thought, no, she's got the wrong guy. She said, I'll never forget it. To him, not to us, the glory and the power forever and ever. Won't you administer God's grace? Let the gifts flow through you. Have a wonderful trip. Kutsias, Jesse, and Janice. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you.